do you learn best by touch, by feel, by visuals? You know, obviously our kids are out of school right now, but there's a lot of discussion about this, especially when the kids are younger. You know, you know, little junior learns best with Play-Doh or little junior learns best with pictures or songs or whatever it might be. But is there any science behind that? Uh, Michael Swagstra is a public high school teacher and a senior fellow with the Fraser Institute who has a piece in the Globe and Mail about this. Welcome to the program, Michael. Well, thank you very much. It's good to be with you. All right. Unique learning styles that we learn differently. Is there any science behind that? Well, there isn't. And it's not like this theory hasn't been tested. It's been tested many times. And all you do is you take a large group of people and you have half of them experience a story, for example, through their so-called learning style and have the other half experience it a different way and then test them on how much they remember. And every single time that type of experiment has been done, uh, there's simply no difference. And it's long been known in the psychological community that learning styles is a myth. You could even go to the website of the American Psychological Association where they provide articles debunking the theory. So it really is a theory that uh, does not have any evidence for it. Yet, yet there's, I, I, you know, my kids are a little bit older now, but I know when my kids were younger, this is a widespread accepted statement of fact among parents that, you know, my kid learns better this way as opposed to that way. Oh, it is very widespread, and uh, psychological myths often are very widespread. And the reason it's widespread is there's a certain uh, intuitive logic to it. And starting with a premise which is true, meaning that you know that everyone is different, and that uh, you know there are differences in uh, in how well we learn certain things. Um, but w the way you deal with that is by uh, you, you address the unique needs of students. You also particularly look at the subject matter you're dealing with and you use a variety of strategies to get it across. So whether sometimes visual is best, sometimes auditory is best, sometimes working with your hands is best, and often all three is best. But what you do not do is slot uh, into kids into you're a visual learner, you're an auditory learner, and so on. Uh, that is where the theory is highly problematic because it leads to self-fulfilling promises, uh, prophecies, because if someone thinks they're a visual learner, uh, they've given themselves a ready-made excuse for why they allegedly can't learn from lectures or working with their hands, for example. So you see that in the education system where we segregate kids into different kind of learners and that's to their detriment? Oh, it certainly is. And, uh, you know, as a teacher myself, I've been a teacher for well over 20 years, and I've heard this theory a lot. I heard it when I was in teacher training. I've heard it uh, many times since then. I've heard it at professional development sessions, for example. And, uh, and, you, and you get this idea of you've got to differentiate the instruction uh, based on the unique learning style. And so the problem is when you take a theory and base it on to a large degree on a theory that doesn't have any evidence for it, uh, you get uh, teachers often having to work harder, burning themselves out and getting worse results in the process. And so we really do need to take a step back and actually look at what does the evidence actually support when we're teaching students. Right, because saying that, well, I'm going to teach all the kids the same way, that seems to be a non-starter, especially for a lot of parents. Yeah, it's you see, if you phrase it that way, I'm going to teach everyone the same way, uh, you, you get immediate pushback. But if you take a step back for a moment, uh, and the most efficient way to teach the majority of the time is through whole class lessons. 
And rather than teaching something two or three times in all these different ways, you, you, what you try to do is you try to find the most effective way or variety of ways to reach everyone. And then you provide targeted support to students who, who still need it at that point. But as a teacher, I mean, I, I teach high school now, or earlier in my career, I did teach uh, at the younger grades. Uh, most of my time is spent teaching whole class lessons. And I think we need to get away from this notion that teaching the whole class simultaneously is some sort of bad idea. It's really not. It's not about denying individuality. It's about recognizing reality that if you have 25 students in your classroom, uh, you really should be working at honing your skills at teaching all of them uh, to the greatest degree possible. And then again, target support to those who need support, uh, who need that additional help afterwards. Michael, it's fascinating. I enjoyed your piece very much. Thanks again. Well, thank you. That is Michael Zweigstra, who's a public high school teacher and a senior fellow fellow with the Fraser Institute. And you can read his op-ed in the Globe and Mail is the theory of unique learning styles dragging down our education system. Does that speak to you as a parent? Do you believe inherently that you yourself learn one way better than the other? I mean, you are a visual learning learner. That's, I can't read this book. There's no pictures in here. And do we do a disservice to our kids by trying to by trying to teach them what we think is their best learning style instead of, as Michael said, you know, giving them all a basis in all of the disciplines? That's some interesting stuff.